Over to you, Alan. Thank you, um, and thank you for having me along today. It's a pleasure to talk about a topic that's slightly outside my usual comfort zone. I'm going to address questions that are in the air at the business school and that business people I know are talking about in the context of AI, but I'm acutely aware that in doing so, um, I'm, I'm doing so as a specialist in the governance of the behaviour of investment banks. So I'm going to step a little bit outside the boundaries of my expertise at times today. And I apologise in advance if you think that at some stage I'm teaching you how to suck eggs. Um, I'm going, I've interpreted my remit, as I've thought about what I might say today, as covering business in general and finance um, in particular. And I've used this seminar as an opportunity to, um, to think about and to speculate upon um, some of the things that I and my colleagues at the business school are um, worrying about as we contemplate the extension, the extension of AI into business life. Um, I don't really have any answers to the problems I'm going to, to raise. I'm just going to generate questions. Um, and the answers are going to be very far from clear. Um, so the, 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 the first thing I'm, I, I think um, that arises in this context is the extent to which businesses know their employees and to which they know their clients. So. To illustrate the point I'm making, I'm conducting a bunch of interviews at the moment with a, a co-author from the States with very elderly investment bankers, um, people in their late 70s who've been in the business 50 odd years, to find out how the business has changed and what sort of um, cultural standards drive investment banking and what received ethical wisdom is in investment banking. And it's probably unsurprising to you that um, everything has changed dramatically, particularly since the 1980s. Um, but one of the things that came up, um, has come up multiple times in conversations with the banks, is the enormous power of the compliance systems that they have now. So one bank told us that they have a compliance system that logs every phone call people make, every, oh, that's not surprising, every keystroke they make on their computers. It knows when they go to lunch and when they get back. Um, it knows how long they take a cigarette break. It knows when they get for coffee. And this system tells them when people are in danger of leaving the bank. Um, so they get a flag saying this person might be about to resign and then they start watching that person very closely to make sure that he or she doesn't leave with customers and with confidential information and that sort of thing. And that's a very striking fact. AI is teaching the banks how to double guess the decision of their employees. And Nia's has already indicated that it's probably better at double guessing those decisions than the partners of those employees. A uh, sort of interesting question to me is whether it's better at double guessing those questions than the employees themselves, and I kind of suspect it is. I think my partner can guess my decisions better than me, so if Facebook can beat my partner, it can surely beat me. Um, and that's, that's a striking thing, right? That means that businesses already understand more about their employees than their employees do, and I think quite, some quite difficult questions arise as we think what the relationship between the business and the employee is and what the business should do with that information. And it's not just about employees, of course. That sort of data gathering applies also to um, customers. And that leads broadly to questions about how markets are going to look in the future. We're not just selling um, products. We're selling knowledge of people and um, prior information about what those people are likely to do. So there are some sort of trivial questions that everyone has anticipated about data integrity and data ownership. Um, if collectively or individually, organisations outside of me understand me as well as I do, um, 
surely at the very least I ought to be able to assert, perhaps I ought to be able to assert some property rights over that information. And the institutions that would allow me to do so don't exist at the moment, although one of my colleagues at the business school is leading an effort in the commercial world to try and establish those rights, which is uh, an interesting thing. Um, there's also uh, a question of whether the organisations under, that understand us better than we do ought to tell us what we don't know about ourselves and whether that's actually even a meaningful thing to contemplate doing. So maybe corporations that have gathered information about us that have you know, 200 likes could help us reflexively to think about what we are and what we ought to be. And those seem to me quite deep questions that um, haven't been properly teased out at all. Um, there's also uh, a bunch of questions about once a corporation understands us better than we do, whether it can manipulate us and whether it can manipulate us in ways that are good for us and ways that are bad for us. So, for example, one of my colleagues, a postdoctoral researcher called Edika Kispe-Torreblanca, um, is analysing the ways that a large bank, um, I know which bank it is, but I can't remember if it's public, um, uses AI to talk to clients of its online stockbroking arm. So one of the things that comes out of her research is strong evidence that the clients of this bank are, at least by the lights of finance research, profoundly irrational. So they don't do what finance theory says they should do. Whether that's really irrational or whether we just have the wrong definition of rationality is another question. But for example, um, they, they have reference points that um, are almost random. And you can manipulate the reference points by giving them different information. And of course, once they understand this, they know which people are most susceptible to what sorts of information, which is the sense in which those people's, quote, bounded rationality, unquote, is the knowledge of the bank and is something that can be manipulated by the bank to, to alter the way that they trade. Now, there's no suggestion in her paper that the bank in question is doing this. There's also absolutely no that the bank in question, if it chose to, could do this. It could take advantage of what's called the dispositional effect and it could use that to alter the way that its clients behave. Um, that's interesting. Um, is it okay? Probably not. Um, if it isn't, what should we do about it? And when I say these firms are irrational, what do I, what these people are irrational, do I even have the right notion of rationality in mind? Um, now to make sense of that, perhaps I should think about the reasons people have for, um, for taking actions. And reason giving is of course important for people who care about ethics. Um, the fact that AI systems uncover and respond to those biases doesn't mean that any person operating the AI system understands that this is happening. That's a well-known um, obvious fact. And that means that no one can actually discern the reasons for choices that are being made. So this is well understood in the context of things like discrimination over gender and discrimination over racial origin. Um, it's also well known that it's incredibly hard to correct that sort of bias. You can go through and score out all the words that are obviously gender specific and it turns out there's all sorts of words that you don't immediately think of as being gendered are gendered and we know that because the computer program correctly identifies the gender of the person who's speaking. Um, well that's problematic. Um, it's problematic because we don't know the reasons that these things are happening and usually when we think about ethics we think about reasons. Um, so there are obvious questions here that people have already bloviated about at some length. What should we do about this sort of bias? How can we agree even on a legitimate definition of bias in this context? But I think the more interesting, or at least the deeper questions that I'm worrying about myself at the moment in the last five, maybe seven minutes, um, relates to uh, accountability. Um, if a customer calls out a financial firm or any other firm for bias in recruitment or for 
the way it behaves when it gives financial advice, it's not clear what it means for the firm to be accountable because if a firm is relying on a system like this, it cannot give good reasons for what it's doing. And if it can't do that, it's not clear that the firm is an accountable agent. It's not firm even clear how we should regulate the firm's activities. And I think that is a concern both for people in business and for the people who regulate business. It's also a concern for me, and this kind of starts to tail, circle back to work that I'm doing myself, um, for what it teaches us about uh, moral learning and the acquisition of moral wisdom in business, to use a slightly loaded term. So if we allow corporations, or and I'll talk a bit about what it means to allow a corporation, but if we allow a corporation to pass responsibility um, onto algorithms in some cases, perhaps even unwittingly to pass that responsibility on, um, I think it's interesting to ask whether the people who work for those corporations become less morally aware. And I'm appealing here to a literature that suggests that the skills you need to make ethically complex choices in business and the professions is a learned skill. It's highly contextual and it's acquired through, um, through use. You can't learn how to, what an ethical choice is in investment banking or in the law, a priori. You actually have to engage in those choices. You have to talk to the people who are engaged in those choices. You have to receive feedback and you have to engage in dialogue. And if we deploy even an absolutely excellent first-class AI system, I wonder if we run the risk that we create a cadre of moral imbeciles that simply cannot exercise complex judgment and cannot pass their values in a meaningful sense onto later generations. Um, and I, you know, one doesn't want to point fingers, but in the industry I've spent the last decade worrying about investment banking, I think mm. this sort of thing has happened. Um, I think it's unfair to describe all investment bankers as moral imbeciles. But it's also true to say that some areas of investment banking that used to be characterized by the exercise of quite deep judgment, like giving advice, have now been turned over to activities that are to, to markets that are very arm's length, that are very contractual, they're very data-driven. That's a great thing. It has actually reduced in less of the sort of biases I was talking about. It's also reduced in less acquisition of judgment because less judgment is required in those businesses. And um, that's a concern for bankers, it's a concern for regulators, and I think it should be a concern for all of us as this sort of system codifies and takes out of human agency quite a lot of important decisions. It also raises questions that relate to sociology that came out of Stanford in the mid-1980s. Um, people in that world talk about isomorphism. Is AI um, taking moral decisions and being subject to public discourse not only taking away our capacity for judgment, for phonesis, is it also perhaps unthinkingly steering us into sort of common ways of thinking, generating unthinking um, consensus? And if it is, I suspect that's a bad thing. Okay, I want to talk about two more things, one of which is obvious, one of which I suspect is not obvious. One is um, this, the effect of this stuff on, on free speech. Um, some firms are starting to use AI to police speech. Um, one of my colleagues at the business school, Natalia Efremova, who um, originally was a computer science faculty member and is now um, down the road working in the Future of Marketing in Initiative, she is attempting to understand how Facebook and other actors might identify misogynistic language in chat rooms and other fora um, using artificial intelligence. It's remarkably hard to do. And you can identify some obvious words, but the tenor of some, you actually have to be able to analyze the, the tone of language to make any sense of this. 
So that is interesting and important work because no single person can police this. No, no team of people can probably police the volume of messages that, that, that's promulgated on Facebook. But it generates some obvious questions about where you draw lines. Uh, and it also generates some quite important institutional questions about whether we're happy to allow Facebook to draw those lines. And right now, the default answer appears to be yes. Right now, we allow Facebook to decide where the line is drawn between unacceptable misogynistic language and just provocative language. Um, and if they can't readily give us the reasons for their decisions, which they can't if they're relying on a system that they don't properly understand, and perhaps no one understands a deep learning system, um, how do we decide what the proper division of responsibilities is on this sort of line drawing between the state and the corporation? And how do we design the institutions that will allow us to draw those lines? Those are hard questions that I think we haven't really got properly into. And the last thing I wanted to talk about um, relates to moral agency, which is uh, one of my own research interests. We talk a lot in the business school, and we talk a lot generally in society about the notion of CSR, corporate social responsibility. But when you start to think about that phrase, it's far from clear what it means. What does it mean to hold a corporation responsible? I am responsible for my actions, at least to some extent. Is it meaningful to say that IBM is responsible for anything, or is it just the actors in IBM? And um, this is something that people have been arguing about in business and in philosophy since an influential article 40 years ago by a guy called Peter French. Um, and I think the, art the arguments there are going to be considerably muddied by the arrival of artificial intelligence. So on the one hand, the literature, I'm nearly done, on one hand the literature on this stuff is concerned with the extent to which you can view a corporation as being autonomous. So can I view the goals and the ideas and the, 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 um, the decisions and the, the propositions that a corporation views as true as independent of those of its individual members? And um, there's a consensus that actually unless under reasonably weak assumptions you can. Um, well, if that's the case, presumably AI renders corporations even more autonomous because no one person, no bunch of people are making decisions. No one really understands what the decisions are. So at some level, perhaps we have to start viewing a corporation that's governed partly by AI as being more morally autonomous. But I have quite profound problems with that. My approach to this problem derives from another literature, um, which dates back to a 1962 article by a philosopher called Strawson, P.F. Strawson, Peter Strawson, who at the time was at Modern <coughs> College. And uh, his argument, a more recent work by a Yale philosopher called Stephen Dole, that identifies moral agency in terms of, firstly, the extent to which we form attitudes like outrage or um, indignation towards one another, and the ways in which we respond to appropriately expressed attitudes of that sort. Um, a moral agent is someone we can feel outraged about, and a moral agent is someone who responds appropriately when we feel outraged towards the moral agent. So um, I'm kind of interested myself on whether we can view a corporation in that way without worrying too much about deep metaphysical questions about autonomy. But I think the presence of AI makes these questions very, very difficult. So um, how can we, can we form an attitude of outrage towards a computer system that no one really understands? I don't know. I think we probably can, but I don't know. And if we form an attitude of outrage towards an artificial intelligence system that, for example, is introducing regularly, by, well, consistently biased decisions into recruitment, um, can we meaningfully hold the corporation accountable? Because I've already argued that the corporation can't give it a reasons for what it's doing. It can't apologise meaningfully for what it's doing because it's just a computer system. And um, if we can't do any of those things, 
what happens to legal notions of corporate accountability and corporate responsibility? Um, I have no idea what the answer to these questions is, <laughs> but I think they're really important. I think we're going to care more and more about them in the future. <laughs>